We wanted to put a face on it. We wanted to put a brand on it and call it Little Mekong because we wanted to invite people from beyond our Southeast Asian communities to come there and experience what we know and what we want to share. That was Va Meng Ta. He's the founder and executive director of the Asian Economic Development Association, or ADA. Minnesota is home to many successful ethnic enclaves. And these enclaves are made up of individuals from all over the world. But what brought them here? What drives them? And how does their continued success help Minnesota grow? I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. Much of Ada's work is focused along four city blocks in St. Paul, an area branded as Little Mekong. It sits at the center of a long-standing ethnic enclave for Asian immigrants and Asian Americans in the city. Va Meng Ta detailed the growth of Little Mekong over time and why he thinks so many people are drawn to it. Southeast Asian refugees who were relocated to St. Paul into the Frogtown Rondo area created Little Mekong, right? They started these businesses because they couldn't find the products or services that they needed, you know, that's culturally relevant to uh, them. So it, it was a sort of a natural outgrowth of the needs of Southeast Asian refugees in Frogtown and Rondo. With that said, many ethnic enclaves developed like that, right, throughout the, the United States, throughout history. So Little Mekong was one of those that just happened 40, 30 years ago. Even though it's very small, it's, you know, like I said, about 100 small businesses and four blocks of University Avenue, it became a destination for those of us who are Southeast Asian. I went there, I go there to eat pho. I go, you know, if I want, I want Vietnamese pho, I go there. <laughs> they have some of the best pho places in the uh, Minnesota. So there was a need and it, it grew into uh, an Asian business district to support that need. But other cultural destinations are created by uh, groups, community groups, nonprofits, and so on. And and I think where, you know, Little Mekong grew because there was a need. And then as an organization, we stepped in to support what's there. So we're, that's where I think our role comes in because the district itself, I don't think, would survive Historically, ethnic enclaves were established around the placement of immigrant communities as they migrated to new countries. Often the location of these enclaves were dictated by laws that limited the access of incoming immigrants. But the limitations of these enclaves didn't stop the community from growing. If anything, having shared traditions, practices, and language allowed new people to establish themselves with a stronger sense of safety and comfort. Ibrahim Hersey is a reporter for Sahan Journal. It's a digital media outlet in Minnesota. He explains the importance of having enclaves that understand the cultural sensitivities of the Somali community and how that has developed over time. Somalis started coming to Minnesota for the most part in the early 90s. And uh, one of the first things that they did was after establishing mosques, um, they wanted to establish uh, businesses that serve their community. Um, if you are, you know, Somalis, of course, are 
have their own culture. So when it comes to food, when it comes to clothes, there are certain ways that they that they dress that they can't go to Mall of America and find those stuff. So they needed to create and to establish their own businesses so that they can serve. So now, I mean, I think in many, in the Twin Cities area only there is there are at least three or four malls that only and within these malls they have dozens of other small uh, of, of of small stores that you know, sell different goods. Um, nine, I mean, there are other clients, of course, but 99% are Somalis. Um, so now it's not only just grocery stores or clothing stores, but also, um, you know, they have offices that um, file taxes for people. So there are all kinds of businesses uh, that you need. And it has been really um, thriving over the past uh, almost 30 years. Vameng Ta shared how the contained nature of ethnic enclaves sometimes discourages others from engaging with the enclaves. The district was created by Southeast Asian uh, refugees and their businesses. Um, But like I said, it was only known to those of us within the community as a destination for Asian food, for example, or um, Asian cultural organizations that we have four Asian cultural organizations there now, including ADA. Um, and that's what we often go to um, to get social services, right? Um, but people from outside our community didn't really know. And in fact, if they knew, they might avoid it. So, and we wanted to put a face on it. We wanted to put a brand on it and call it Little Mekong because we wanted to invite people from beyond our Southeast Asian communities to come there and experience what we know and what we want to share. One of the businesses that Ada has worked closely with is Ahn's Hairstylists in Little Mekong. It's a multi-generational legacy business run by Erica Trin and started by her mother, Ahn. Erica spoke to NPR News journalist Chris Farrell in spring of 2022. So tell us, how long have you been in this building that's on University Avenue? This building was built in 1991. My mom originally had her salon across the street where Thai Garden was for about four or five years and then bought the property here, took it down and built it so we can work downstairs and live upstairs. And so how long have you been a hairdresser? Legally, uh, since 99. (laughs) (laughs) And before? Um, Since I was eight, when she opened the shop, she had me working already. So I've been helping since like my whole life, practically, I guess. And now, do you own the salon now? I still consider mom the overlord, but I still do all the other things involved. So pretty much me, yeah. Erica's experience reflects similar stories within Minnesota's ethnic enclaves. Families starting businesses to support themselves and the businesses sometimes being passed down generationally. Erica's love of Little Mekong is clear. It's home. I grew up here. Um, we were the probably the first Asian salon, at least in this block. And, and my mom opened in 1988, I believe. Um, and we, I just grew up here. I just saw everything change um, and become more of a Southeast Asian population um, type area. And I don't know, it's home. It's just, this is what it's become, and and I love it. Vameng discussed what makes An's hairstylists unique within the community in Little Mekong. Erica and her mom's business um, 
you know, it's unique, but a lot of immigrant families started, uh, immigrant businesses started that way. You know, their uh, immigrant parents came and they um, wanted to do well for their families. And so they roped their kids in. I think um, Ann's fortunate that Erica wants to stay within the family. I mean, wants to stay within the family business. Um, I think a lot of kids who see their parents uh, uh, start businesses don't want to follow in their parents' footsteps. So um, in that sense, it's, it's, it's uh, very unique. And I think for Southeast Asian immigrant families, because many of them uh, come to the U.S., especially like in the Hmong community without the education or the skills. And so they feel like um, becoming an entrepreneur is, is the best way for them to um, improve their economic status. And some become successful, but others continue to struggle. One of the things that stand out in Little Mekong is its focus on multiple Southeast Asian cultures. Erica Trin shared what she thinks the wider community doesn't understand about the enclave. I, I think they don't realize how many cultures Little Mekong is. Like, it's, it's, it's Thai, it's Cambodian, it's Vietnamese, it's Chinese, it's um, Laotian, it's all kinds of things. I don't think they realize what Little Mekong means. I think they just think it's a river. And why is it called Little Mekong? Um, so I... I think it's a lot, and I don't think people really know how much it is. And so we just try to talk more and, and tell people to come this way. What do they lose when they don't understand that? Good food, new culture, um, uh, just not knowing what's right here in Minnesota. An ongoing issue for many ethnic enclaves is how to address discrimination and bias directed at the community. With the recent increase of incidents characterized as anti-Asian hate, Va Meng Ta has had to consider what the potential danger could mean for Little Mekong and how Ada can help. I don't know of any incidents in Little Mekong that I could categorize as anti-Asian hate, but a sense of heightened awareness still prevails in the area. Like, we're calling ourselves Little Mekong. Are we putting a target on our back? Right? So businesses are, I think, more on edge, especially last year when there was a lot of cases of anti-Asian violence elsewhere, uh, in other cities, but as well as in St. Paul um, and the Twin Cities. Um, So, you know, it's the same question. Like, do we want to be invisible and avoid a lot of this potential violence against us? Or do we want to create visibility and awareness so that we could benefit economically? It's, sometimes it's a double-edged sword, right? Um, but ultimately, um, me personally, I like to look at the glasses half full. Um, and if Little Mekong is successful, then it's not only that it will be a vibrant area and a welcoming area, but we will actually, uh, it will actually be a deterrent to a lot of the hate crimes that we saw and we heard about. Many ethnic enclaves are home to successful small businesses. However, that success long-term needs to be measured beyond financial profit. Va Meng Ta explains some of the ongoing challenges in Little Mekong. Here we have a community that has a lot of potential. Uh, you see Erica and... Um, Ans, um, 
and their dedication to their business here. And for, for me and for our organization, the most important asset of the community is the people um, and the effort that they put into their community. So this, is, this represents an investment, their family's investment for the last 30 years or so. And the reason why we do this work, and I think, um, you know, our city, we, we need to pay more attention to, to our businesses, our small businesses, and our immigrant businesses, and how they're anchoring our community, our neighborhoods, right? Um, and they don't get a lot of appreciation, you know, uh, especially immigrant businesses. They, um, in Little Mekong, for a long time, the businesses here only catered to other Asians or immigrants from Southeast Asia. But as you hear from Erica, her customers come from all over the place now. And so these community assets, the people and their businesses, they're bringing in um, people, visitors who come and spend money in our neighborhood. And that's a good thing. That's what we mean when we say we want to keep our community's assets within our community or bring in assets into our community and not, on, not only... Um, and not only see our assets leave. So if we invest in our um, families in the neighborhood and our businesses in the neighborhood, then we will, we will see if our communities thrive. So Ahn's hairstyle is, is a great example of that. You know, their, their family invested in the neighborhood and they live in the neighborhood and they stay in, in the neighborhood. It would be a shame for us to lose the type, this type of business. Um, and, and one of the reasons why they can stay here is because they own the property. Not many businesses own the property. And so we want, we want to see more entrepreneurs own their um, store in Little Mekong. Um, so this is like an ideal situation we want all of our businesses to be in. It's to, to really own a piece of the neighborhood instead of paying rent that goes somewhere else. Ethnic enclaves hold a valuable place in the social fabric of a community. They've been here since Minnesota was established and will continue to be a driver of growth and change for years to come. Ethnic enclaves represent not only the cultures and traditions of a community, but the pride individuals within the community have for their shared history, and increasingly, their desire to share their experiences with everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brant Williams, hosts Brant Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Anne Harrington, with original music by Greg Grease. You can learn more about Untangled Roots the North Star Journey Project and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.